because it takes up space on your phone. Praise God, everybody. Let's pray and um, let's get started. And let me just go. Awesome. Okay. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be gathered here, God, to learn from your word, to grow, to be challenged, and most importantly, God, to be solidified in the doctrine of the Bible, God. It is important that we understand what we believe, why we believe it, God, and I pray that you give everyone the understanding of what this Bible study truly means, God, to be justified by faith. Today, God, we are going to talk about um, the patriarch Abraham, God, and I pray that you just bring clarity to the story through and through, God, bring understanding, bring revelation, Allow us to see things as they really are in the scriptures. God, connect the dots, connect the lines, and every jot and every tittle and every line and every comma and every period. God, everything that is suggestive to help us understand what's being said, I pray that our minds would comprehend, but most importantly, that our hearts would receive. Lord, we thank you tonight. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming tonight. Um, I don't have a handout today. Um, If at the end, I can basically, I'll send you guys a... um, um, all the scriptures i'll send it to you i'll get it to you either way but can send it by email? um yeah i can send it by email but um most importantly i wanted you guys just to be able to focus more on the whiteboard today um to focus strictly on this and this bible study isn't just something that i want you to overlook or think that oh you already know this stuff i really really want you guys to drive in and bring your attention together because if you miss this okay if you miss this you'll constantly have a battle in communicating the gospel to other people Mm. okay this is very very um helpful because what it's going to do is allow us to see the bible and what it says about salvation and how it works okay and the bible uses a specific person the story of abraham it parallels constantly the story of abraham to tell us how we're made righteous before god how we're made um um, justified by faith okay so we're going to start today in um Romans 4.16 and um, sorry, pretty far. I know you guys are all there already because you guys beat me. Okay, 4.16. Um, 4.16 says that is why um, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring not only to the uh, adherent of the law, but also one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us, okay, of us all. So um, I'm going to kind of go here real quick, and I'm going to move into this. So we're talking about Abraham, okay? Abraham is not only the father of, Abraham in the Bible is not only the father of the Jews, but he's the father of everyone who shares the same faith. Okay. And so we want to figure out what faith does Abraham have because this Abraham is our father if we share his same faith. Okay? So that means we share his same faith, we take part in his blessings. We take part in what's happening with him. This patriarch, okay, gives us the full example of what the Bible depicts to us of what salvation really is. Okay? So we're going to look at the story of Abraham, and we're going to understand some things that are really, really important. Um, going to Galatians um, 3, 7 through 18. And this is the gospel. It's going to be typified in the story of Abraham. 
So the Bible's interpreting the story of Abraham in Galatians. So if you go to Galatians, um, my page is brand new Bible. Um, Galatians 3, 7 through 18. And here, here's what it says. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Same thing, right? What we just read. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. That's us. We're non-Jews. If you're a non-Jew, you're a Gentile. So he's going to justify the Gentiles by faith. This is how we know it's also for us, right? It's not just for the Jews. By faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Notice this, that God preached the gospel to Abraham, okay? This is very, very important. God preached, what's the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we can find that in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. If you go to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, you don't have to go there right now, but just note, we can notate it, that that's where the gospel is. Jesus would die, he'd be buried, and he would resurrect, Right? This is what the Apostle Paul said that the gospel is. So he's saying that God himself preached the gospel to Abraham. Right? This is interpreting the story. This is telling us that when Abraham decided to have faith, it was not just faith that he would have a child, but that he would have an offspring that would be the hope of the world. Okay? Um, let's keep going. Before in Abraham saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed by everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. He's saying it's very evident. It's very plain, right? Because no, no one can do the law. But before the law, the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. The law robs you of faith. It disqualifies you from having faith because the law says if you don't do, okay, you cannot have from God. So because we don't do, right, everyone's disqualified, we cannot have, naturally speaking. The one who, do, who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse, for it is written... Uh, for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the, the, the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 400, 430 years ago does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So what he's saying is that it's not, the promise is not to many offsprings. It's to a single offspring. Who's that offspring? Jesus Christ. And since the, the promise is to Christ, he's not only the promise, but he's the, the one that's promised to as well. 
He's promised, but he's also promised to. All the blessings of Abraham are promised to Christ. So that this is why when we are in Christ, okay, we become, we share the same faith as Abraham. Okay, so we're understanding the story of Abraham is the greatest example of how we are saved in just in general. Okay, greatest example. Um, let's go to, we're going to jump to the story of Abraham now, right? Since we're talking about Abraham, might as well go to the story of Abraham, correct? Mm -hmm. Since the New Testament is mentioning Abraham, we, we mentioned Abraham in Romans, in Galatians, right? You see that his story is being mentioned, and it's being mentioned in, in a very detailed way. So we want to go back to the story, and we kind of want to see what it's talking about. And I'm going to point some things out that are very, very interesting. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. This is where the story of Abraham begins. If you go to Genesis 12. The new Bible. It's, it's hard to travel through it right now. Um, Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, notice his name's not Abraham. Okay? His name is not Abraham here. This is very, very important. He has not yet had a name change to Abraham. So when these stories acknowledge Abraham, they're acknowledging it from a, a completed standpoint, right? Everything is understood as what it is versus when you read this, this is how, it's the process of it happening, okay? So it says, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and they had that they had gathered, and the people that they went, that they had acquired in Haran, and they went and they were set out to go to the land of Canaan. So Abraham was... Check this out. This is the first time we hear of Abraham. Abraham was made promises right off the bat. This is not the chapter that says, and Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay? God made promises to Abraham before he made a covenant with Abraham. Before Abraham had a relationship with God, Abraham got to see the goodness of God. This is the foundation of our new covenant. This is why even if you're in sin, right? And you're fallen, which we all are, right? When are you not dealing with something? When are you not struggling with something? When are you not in sin? That's the real question. Oh, I'm not in sin right now. For, for a person to say that, right? Under the law, we're all in sin. Think about that. <laughs> so now, since we're all in sin, this is, this is very unique. Because this is where we get the concept of the goodness of God is what leads us to repentance. Because God demonstrates his goodness first to Abraham before Abraham has faith, before Abraham believes, before Abraham does anything. So let's, let's jump to the next verse, okay? So we're, let's do a little check mark here, boom, 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 right? So Abraham, God made promises to him. Abraham did believe them. Obviously, right, he left 
his land and he went to the land of Canaan. Now, Genesis 13, 14 through 18. The Lord said to Abram, notice his name is still Abram. Okay. After Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you will, you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise and walk through the, the length of the and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Merom, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Again, again, he made another promise to Abraham. No circumcision, no covenant. And it doesn't say, and he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Second promise. So this is our proof that God is constantly trying to show people that don't have a relationship with him out there in the world that he wants to bless them. That he wants to win them by his goodness. That it will be his goodness that leads them to a place of changing their mind. Repentance, change of mind, metanoia. You got to keep that in your head. Remember that. Every time someone says repentance, don't go back to the old Latin version of, of repentance where it's you're on the floor, you're crying. And I'm not saying to not be sad about when you fell, God. I'm not saying that. That's a decision you have to make in your own conscience. What, what works for you as far as that. But what I'm talking about is a repentance of what does it take to change your mind? You see many people that have gone to altars, that cry, that pour out to God and still can't change their actions. You see many examples of that, right? So God wants to demonstrate his goodness so that you believe that what he has to offer in his way is the better way. Right? This is before covenant. This is before covenant. Okay? What you're going to realize is extremely important. You, we cannot overlook this. Remember, the story, the gospel, our understanding of God and the gospel and how we're supposed to preach the gospel is found in the story of Abraham completely. So we read that one. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he said, blessed him. And he blessed him and said... Blessed be Abram, his name is still Abram, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Stop there. Okay, that's the short story. This is where Abraham gets the gospel. We talked about this the last two weeks, right? What is the, what is the bread represent? The life, right? What is the, the, the wine represent? The death, right? Okay, and then what does the tithe represent? The resurrection, that he's alive, right? The, the bread is the life, the wine is the death, okay? And the resurrection is the tithe. We prove that, we prove that in the scripture, okay? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Jesus says, take this cup in remembrance of my death. My, it's the blood that, that, that forgives your sins, and then we read in Hebrews, right? We read in Hebrews 7, um, 5 and 7, where it talks about the tithe. And it's a representation of our faith that he lives. Okay? So this is where there's a symbolic metaphor or type of the gospel being introduced to Abraham for the first time in the stories. Okay? For the first time in the stories. His name is still 
Abram though, right? Just because you see the gospel or heard it doesn't mean you've yet believed it. Doesn't mean you've yet partaken in it. Okay? So here's, here's, here's where we're going to, it's going to become clear. Because now we're going to go to 15, 4 through 6. And it says this. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him out and said, and outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. This is quoted in Galatians. We read this in Galatians right now. So shall your offspring be. Uh, sorry. Number them and he said, so shall your offspring be. Verse 6. And he believed the Lord and it counted to him as righteousness. Okay. Notice here his name is still not changed. Okay. His name is not changed. Because God is making all these promises. Right. God is showing Abraham a tremendous amount of goodness. A tremendous amount of goodness. In parentheses, it says, next to righteousness in the Amplified Bible, it says, right living, right standing with God. Okay, so uh, let, let's... Okay, Thank, I appreciate that. That's a, that's a hard one to, to put that in there. It's, it's in the context of the New Covenant that we understand that. Just to, just to just to clarify. The word righteousness? The word righteousness. Okay? okay. It's in the context of the new covenant that they apply that oh, there. Okay. okay, in the Amplified. So he counted it for righteousness. So he has right standing with God. That's the primary understanding, right? Before God, Abraham is righteous, therefore he can have a relationship with God. It was solely by faith. Mm -hmm. Solely. Nothing more, nothing added. Doesn't say, and his actions, okay? Doesn't say that. But this is where the journey begins, okay? God reaches out to man, blesses him, tries to get your attention with showing you how good he is, right? Then there's a final demonstration of his goodness that Abraham believes, and he says, now, you're counted for righteousness. Because he showed him the stars, the constellations. If you know anything about the stars, I'm not talking about like, I know a lot of people like to, to take the modern stars like the Virgo and the, and the, and the, and the Leo, right? But you know, in, in the course of time, God made the stars. You're talking about the Virgin, you're talking about the Lion of Judah, right? He made the stars. Mm -hmm. He made the stars. He's the originator of the stars telling stories. God is. Not man. Okay? And I'm not saying to go practice um, um, the, the, what is it called? I, it's astrology. It's fleeting, right? The, the horoscope and all that stuff. Yeah. But I'm saying the true interpretation of the stars is Christ. How did the, the wise men find Jesus? In the stars. In the stars. Right? Did they find him any other way? No. Solely the stars. So Abraham, and we understood that the word star actually means kovab, which is illustrious prince. It's talking about Christ. Look to the stars. And he actually believed that the Messiah was in the stars. That, 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 that his seed would produce the Messiah in the stars. This is a, a very unique and beautiful thing. So this is the thing. He introduced Christ completely with full disclosure 
in that story to Abraham for the first time in full, in, in full understanding. And Abraham amend him. The word believe means amen. He believed. The Hebrew word for believe is amen. He amend God and it was accounted. It was imputed. Means, means he was imparted righteousness apart from his own works. Okay? This is very, very important. So, check. We see that it starts with belief in Christ. This is where we're at, right? We're, we're children of Abraham. What's the parallel here? Is that when we believe in Jesus, right? Acts 2.38. I'm going to kind of jump over here real quick. Acts 2.38. When it says repent, does it say repent of all your sins? No. What does it say? Does anyone know? Repent. Every one of you. In remission of sins. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for what? So, so the baptism is for the remission of sins, right? You repent, but what's the thing they're repenting from? From unbelief to belief. In what? Jesus. So they crucified Jesus, these people, right? And Peter convicts them that they crucified Jesus by telling them, no, he's the answer. He is the true Messiah. They were pricked in their hearts. Then they said, what do we do? Change your mind. About what? Jesus. Jesus. The same thought that made you crucify him. Change that thought. Change that thought. To believing he's not the Messiah. To believing that he is the Messiah. Then be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Mm -hmm. Right? It doesn't say repent of all your sins. You can't repent from all your sins. I'm not saying not to repent from your sins. But I'm telling you that you can't repent. It's impossible. You don't know all your sins. Right? And we'll always have sin in the future. You'll have issues, problems, challenges that you'll later on have to repent from individually as you become aware. But you're not always aware of every sin. What's the soul repentance that helps you with all your sins? Believing in Jesus Christ as Lord. Believing more in Jesus. Believing more in Him. Believing that in Him is the forgiveness of sins. If you go to Acts 13, it says, through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Just man, Jesus. So when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the forgiveness of sins. We are talking about the forgiveness of sins. And that's um, Acts 13, 38. Through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And it talks about being just, him justifying the ungodly. Is that God righteously justified ungodly men and women? So here, here's where it gets a little bit tricky. So bear with me, okay, guys? Bear with me on this. It's not till Genesis 17. Okay, go to Genesis 17, 1. And when Abram... Do you notice here that his name is still Abram? How many years? How many years... From the time that he basically met God. 14. He was 75. 14. Okay. Right? When he first started, God started promising him stuff. His, he's 90, what? Okay, how many years? 14. 14 years. It took him 14. Sorry. 24 years. Oh, sorry, 24. Sorry. I, I didn't do the math. I, I usually do, but apologies. 
sorry, we're sorry. <laughs> um, 24 years, okay? And his name is still not changed. And he still doesn't have a covenant. 24 years that God interacted with Abraham. Okay? 24 years. And somewhere in between, okay, he became righteous by faith. Okay? He became righteous by faith. He believed in Jesus. We're not, we're not looking at the story and doing this because we want to. Right? We're not looking at this story and just being, oh, this is a great idea. We should compare Abraham to the salvation process. Right? No. It's because the Bible says that the gospel was preached through the story of Abraham. The Bible says the law in Hebrews 10.1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of those things, can never with those sacrifices make the comers there too perfect. The law, you know when, when it talks about the law, the law, it's genuinely referring to the first five books of the Bible. Pentateuch. It's referring to the Pentateuch, which includes the story of Abraham has a shadow of good things to come. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, right, after he resurrected, he came and he was with two men walking down a road. And the Bible says that he showed them everything concerning himself in the law and in the prophets. Okay? He went through the entire Old Testament showing them himself. Saying he's the center of the entire Old Testament. He made himself the center in talking to them, okay? So it's important that we understand we have the right to make this example. We're not just doing it for fun or because we think it's a good idea, because this is how the Bible teaches us to learn about Christ, to see him, okay? So Genesis 17, 1 through 14, and I'm going to keep reading. And Abraham was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me, and blameless, that I may make a covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between you, me and you, and your offspring after throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. This covenant is meant to be forever. So when Jesus comes, he cannot disregard it. He cannot disregard it. He can, he can overthrow the law because he comes under the order of Melchizedek. Okay? But he cannot disregard this covenant. I have a question. Jesus, God planned Jesus from the beginning then. Like, from the beginning. Yeah. And, but Jesus, when he came, when he was a child and a teenager or whatever, he didn't know... God's plan. Only God knew. That's what it sounds like for me. Like, he was already going to be put on that cross for us, but Jesus didn't actually know it until he started his ministry, right? We don't know that. Well, I'm just kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can assume that, but uh, we don't know that for sure, it's right? Just, it's just super cool. Like, yeah. Oh, we know that, that 
we know that he was perfect in every season. So when he was probably yeah. 12 asking questions. Yeah. But notice how it says he was asking questions. But God knew the whole time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but he, he's the God, he's the God man. Yeah. So in him is, is the divine and and himself. Well, Father knew. Yeah. From, from Genesis. Like. Yep. Because God exists outside of time. Yeah. Right? Jesus binds himself within time. So that's how we have to understand that <laughs> difference. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So let's keep reading. Um, verse 8. And I will give to you and your offspring after the land of your sojourners all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which is between which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you, so this is the covenant, okay? Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Um, it's scientifically proven, vitamin K released from the body on that day, on the eighth day that you're born. So it perfectly, it perfectly um, helps your body fight off the infection, its potential from being circumcised, which is very, very cool, scientifically speaking. Um, he who is eight days old, God is so wise, right? Like, <laughs> uh, shall be circumcised every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So there's even, there's even this is an everlasting covenant. Because guess what? Circumcision, you can never go from Circumcised back to being uncircumcised. Okay, once they, once if they cut off your finger, right, and they burn it in a fire and it's gone, your finger's gone. Your fing, you're fingerless, right? And even if you try to get a metal one and put it on, it doesn't count as like a real finger. And I'm not trying to like position any. I know, I know, it can be a sensitive thing for some people, but that, I'm just giving an example, right? So you can't go from being circumcised to being uncircumcised. That's why it's an everlasting covenant. It's unchangeable. It's an unchangeable covenant. Right? This is why it's important when we read Romans 4.16. Who's our father? Abraham. Right? But this is the thing. So then do we have to be circumcised? Right? That's the challenge. So I decided as we read this... Okay, we should read Colossians two eleven through fourteen. Colossians two eleven through fourteen, and it says this. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised 
with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross whoa so this is the 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 the, the typology in the extent of it okay it's like it's like this okay this is going to be hard for some people to believe because this is this is a struggle this is where we struggle especially coming from any kind of background of, of i would say apostolic pentecostal okay this is this is a challenge because we haven't explained this to people here it goes abraham believes god so right he has faith in christ okay Somewhere here. Okay. 17. Circumcision. Okay. He is circumcised. So from the point of having faith to being circumcised, right? This is us. We have faith. So this is us. Okay. This is our lining. This is our process of salvation. It's just the same. It's just the same. You cannot say it's not the same. Because the Bible says it's the same. God is reaching, God is reaching, God is demonstrating promises, wants to bless you, wants to bless you with salvation. And salvation isn't just, salvation, the word isn't just being saved from hell, it's being well. It's being holy, holistically well, being made whole, okay? Being right. Physical, mental, emotional, every aspect of your being, being well. That's why, that's what he wants to give, right? Now, check this out. Circumcision happens here. In circumcision is the outward sign. Okay? This is important because how did um how did the um Pharaoh's wife who picked up Moses, okay? How did she know how did she know that Moses was a Jew? He was circumcised. Right? He was circumcised. So it's very important. That was so important. Okay. When when Joseph, we know that Jesus isn't blood related to Mary and Joseph. Okay. But we know that the king would come through the line of David, which Joseph and Mary are both related to David. Okay. But Jesus is not blood related to them. Okay. It's important to know this because how does Jesus become a part of the inheritance? You go back into Genesis 17 and you read. What does it say? It says that anyone who is bought and or who is brought into your house in order to be a recipient of this covenant must be circumcised. So we understand that even Jesus was circumcised. That once, once Joseph accepted him as his son, he was circumcised. Okay? But for the new covenant believer, because that's before, right? Jesus is alive then. He hasn't died yet. Sin isn't paid for. The, the entire world's sins aren't paid for yet. Okay? Baptized. Baptism is our spiritual circumcision. And it's offered to both male and female. Jew and non-Jew, barbarian or non-barbarian. 
circumcision is still required in the form of baptism. People say, oh, you don't have to be baptized. Okay. Well, Abraham believed God and he was made righteous before God, before being circumcised. Right? But this is what this means. Is that when you truly have faith in Jesus Christ, you are predestined to be a part of the everlasting covenant. So this is the hard thing, is that when someone truly believes in Christ, they're inevitably going to be baptized. Why? Because if I believe in Christ, then I believe in this. Mm -hmm. Right? If I'm preaching Christ to someone, and I'm preaching the actual Bible, right, the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ, that's part of the mission of our church, this is the authentic gospel. So we're not saying, oh, it'd be devoid. Right? But what's the, what's the circumcision for? If we go back to the verses, what is it for? It's so that you have something physical in your flesh to see that you are a part of the covenant. It was something physical for Moses. It was something physical for Jesus. It was something physical for every person that took part in the covenant of Abraham. So what is baptism for? Is it for God to know that you're made righteous by faith? No, it's for us. It's something physical for us to do, to be sure, to be certain that we are a part of the covenant. And how do we do it? Acts 2.38. Once we repent from not believing in Jesus to believing in Jesus, we are baptized in what name? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It is very, very clear that it's needed. Okay? But we do not determine, oh, if you started here, right, by faith, we don't determine, oh, since you haven't made it here and you died, you're not saved. God will have mercy upon whom he'll have mercy. He's made righteous by faith. I'm made righteous by believing in the blood. Mm -hmm. But the Bible says, I shall be saved, which means you're predestined to have this experience. You may not believe that but we're going to preach it and that's the results we're going to get. Okay? Because it's in the Bible. Now, this is the trick too. You guys are, well, what about the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> what about receiving the Holy Spirit? I want to know about that. Okay? Notice this. That Abraham's name is changed to Abram, to Abram, to Abraham. Sarah's name, Sarai, is changed from Sarai to what? Sarah. Okay, you know what the H represents? It's hey, the breath of God. Okay? They didn't become their full identity until God put his breath in their name. Until you and the Holy Spirit are one, until you receive the Holy Spirit, you won't know who you are. You won't know who you are without the Holy Spirit. You can't bear fruit to God without God in you bearing fruit through you. People make the Holy Spirit, oh, like, you know, the speaking in tongues thing. We focus on that so much, right? But let's, 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 we can understand that and we can talk about that at a different time. But what I'm talking about here is actually having Jesus live through you. Right? The speaking in tongues is the same thing. It's the outward sign of evidence that you, it's there, Right? It helps our minds to know that there's something physical that we can see and hear, right, happen to someone. Because they did it in Acts 2, and we believe you can partake in that experience as well, right? 
But it's a, it's a physical thing for what? You think it's for God? You think he doesn't know your prayers? Already? No, he knows them. But it's for you to know. It's for us to know. Because it's a part of the promise, right? And you shall receive, and you shall, which means a guarantee. It's a a stamp. You shall receive the gift by grace. You can't earn it, can't get good enough for it. They didn't earn a name change. God gave them a name change, and he added his breath to their name. That's the, again, those are the typologies because we're, remember, we're using their stories to understand the gospel, right? And we're going to get to somewhere when we get down here right now, you guys are going to, this is going to like, like make so much sense, okay? Because this is the, we're at the salvational, right? So the circumcision, right? But let's read Romans 4. Because we want to understand, and just let's try to um, let's try to get through it. Because I, because I want to spend the the rest of our time really, really divulging the the second part of this lesson, or the the, the third, the one third last part of this lesson, right? What shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. If Abraham was justified by works, he would have something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So notice how it talks about David, it talks about Abraham, right? It's usually it's using their stories. Verse 7. Blessed are those who whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not count his sin. So it literally quotes from Psalms, which is super cool. The Bible's interpreting itself. Amen. Praise God. Right? <laughs> Verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or for the uncircumc- uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? Whoa. This is important. You see what I'm saying? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness. It's a seal. Okay? That he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. So that it's not just to the Jews. So God predestined that everyone would have a chance. Whoa. Cool, right? Mm -hmm. Because remember, he was made righteous by faith before he was circumcised. Remember, 15, and then the covenant happens in 17, right? Who, okay, verse uh, 12. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith, or um, after the faith of Abraham. This version here says footsteps, which is kind of like, it can kind of somehow give you an idea that you have to do works so just be careful when you see translations like that. Because it's obvious on the top of the verse that it's not saying that. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
that our father Abraham had been before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherent of the law who are the heirs, faith is null and the promise is made void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace. So it means where you don't deserve it. The promise is to rest where you don't deserve it. It needs to rest on a basis where you cannot earn it. Okay? Because then that makes some not able to have it, and it makes some able to have it, but we know it makes everyone not able to have it because of the law. And be guaranteed to all his offspring. Okay? So it's guaranteed. So once we become offspring of Abraham through Christ, it's guaranteed. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against the hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No, no, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it counted to him were not written for his sake alone, okay, but for ours also, so that we can also, by our faith alone, be counted righteous. It, it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Okay. Now, I'm going to stop there with Romans 4, okay? And I want you to notice, then go to Romans 10, 9. I know. <laughs> I sometimes I think like Greek and Hebrew, so it's like it never stops, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, verse nine. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestows his riches on all who call upon his name, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is the thing, is that when we, when we believe in the promise that he gave us through his sacrifice on the cross, right, and that he was raised for our justification, our process starts. My process starts immediately. So when you're dealing with someone who doesn't believe in God, right? Understand what it means to not believe in God, according to the Bible. It means you don't believe Christ was raised for your justification. It, doesn't, it means you don't believe he died, was buried, and resurrected for you. Okay? It means you don't believe the gospel. It means you live by the law, which okay. faith doesn't work in the law. And everyone no who doesn't believe in the gospel... Okay, is not saved. The greatest sin is not your moral sin. 
It's rejecting Jesus. You can read Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, right? Those scriptures, those stories, blasphemy. What is blasphemy? It's a rejection of Christ as Messiah, right? So when we think about these things, right? So that's how we know it's for the unsaved. You can't commit blasphemy if you've already believed the gospel. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know people like to think you can. You can become apostate. No, no, no. You professed that you believe the gospel. You didn't believe in your heart. Remember, you have to believe in your heart. Mm -hmm. So once the belief seeps into your heart, you are predestined for salvation. It says you will be saved. And God is not grading the curve and saying, well, you might be saved if you believe the gospel. Right? Did he say you might? Are we going to just like all scriptures given by inspiration of God except you will be saved by just believing are we going to grade on the curve and just throw that out there? Throw that out of the picture? No. That's the start of the process, right? We've seen that that was the start of the process with Abraham. He believed, it's counted him as righteousness, then he was circumcised, then he got his name changed. Right? Beautiful, right? Beautiful picture? Okay, here's the, here's the, the, the top side of this. Um, go to James 2, 18 through 26. So this is beautiful because this is what salvation. Now there's a scripture that contradicts everything. Okay? There's a scripture that contradicts Romans 4. And we're going to read it right now. Remember? Abraham was justified by faith apart from works. Right? But James says Abraham was justified by works. James 2. Look at my leg is shaking because I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I've never I've never shared this with you guys, so um, this part you'll see what I'm talking about. I've shared some of this with you guys to help you understand it, but this part I have not shared with you. Um, James two starting at eighteen. So there's a guy named Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, okay? Martin, Martin Luther, okay? Reformation. Reformation. This man was one of the most sincere guys in history. Okay, I don't, I don't subscribe to everything he believed, but he actually could read Greek. So he was a big push to bring out the justification by faith, especially from the Roman Catholics and how they were basically using it to control people, right? Mm -hmm. So now here's the, here's the thing. He threw out this book of the canon. He decided he was going to throw the book of James out because he said it didn't agree with the rest of Scripture. My personal belief is he just didn't have a revelation, right? That's the one thing I disagree that he did, is throw this book of James out. Because there's key things in the story that can be overlooked. We overlook them for our whole lives. We've overlooked these things for our entire lives. This is the stuff that I know in my heart already, so sometimes it's not, I'm not always in the, in the perfect mood to share every one of these details with someone when they're like, no, well, faith without works is dead. I'm like, I, I wish I could share it with you right now, but... That's just, I'm not in such a good mood you know, all the time, but. So here, check this out. I'm human. Praise God, right? Um, still praise God. Oh, black. Never mind. 18. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was Abraham, our father, 
justified by works when he offered up Isaac his his son Isaac on the altar you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way for as the body apart from the spirit is dead so also faith apart from works is dead now okay here's 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 the big here's the big trouble right because clearly it says faith without works is dead right does that mean you're not saved if you struggle with works no because John 15 says something different John 15 says that if you struggle with being fruitful we talked about this before what does God do does he take you away or lift you up he lifts you up up, right the Greek actually they did it wrong in English they translated it wrong it should be take up because it's in the context of grapes when grapes are not fruitful on the ground right what does the husband do he takes them off the ground and he lifts them up into the air so that they can become fruitful so when we've read it in the King James he takes away those who do not bear fruit he takes away right no he lifts them up the same word is translated to lift up raise off the ground right because that's what God does when we have needs what does he do what did he do when we had a, a, a need for redemption he raised Jesus up put him on a cross he raised him from the dead right he raised him up raised him up that's what he does when dealing with us so we understand here okay let's let's kind of break this down because there's two elements here Isaac the story of Isaac and Abraham and the story of who else? Rahab. He uses these two stories as a depiction that a man is justified by his works. Okay? But you're going to notice something very, very interesting here. Okay? Go to Genesis 22, 1 through 6. Okay? And here it goes. And these things God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, what is his name here? Is it Abram? No. So what does that mean? He's already in covenant. He already went through this. Right? He already received the promise of Isaac. So when we do the timeline, he believed, he was circumcised, then he offered. Then he offered up Isaac. Okay, so right away, if you know where I'm going, if you get, if you, if you can kind of see the bigger picture, when, what's the time gap here? It's about 20 years from circumcision to offering. Okay, it took him 20 years to bear that kind of fruit for God. It took Isaac 20 years. To bear fruit enough to the point where he would offer up his own promised son to God because God had asked him for it. Isaac. So he offered up his son. He was about to, right? Right, right, right. Right there. God stopped him. 
And James is saying, this is the example he's using for works. His works conversation. Okay? This is the thing. We have to give people time and patience before they go from faith to baptism to works. It took Abraham 20 years. I have a question here. It says that Rahab had works. It doesn't say nothing about faith that she had faith in him. Oh, we're going to get to that right now. <laughs> That's why I told you. Like, it's... Give him time. <laughs> no, I just read it in detail. Like I read it like four times over and over just to read it, like understand it. Yeah, because it, it it doesn't seem like the story of Rahab says that, right? It doesn't say that. nothing about that she had faith, just works. By letting the hiding the guys. Okay. Yeah. That's what that's what I'm reading. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but we're gonna have to that's that's where the story of Rahab's in Joshua. Oh she it says her name again? No, in the book of Joshua that's where the story of Rahab, Rahab is. I know, so but it we're says gonna Rahab go read that. There? No, we're gonna go read that story. I know, but it says Rahab. Her name's Rahab there. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's the same person. Okay. So let's just go to let's just go to um, Joshua two. Okay. Okay. Oh, we're going from James two to Joshua two. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm still on the faith thing. I know that that book of James right now was proving that. You're justified an, before argument. God by it was an your, argument between two people saying, you "Yeah, know. but you're but you're but you're justified before God by your works." Yeah. That's what it's implying. That's yeah. what seems like the a, contradiction. A spiritually dead person. So, Joshua two eight through eleven <laughs> says this: Before men lay low down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, "I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us." Where's Joshua? And that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard. Okay, check this out. This is what she's saying. This is after she saved the spies, okay? She's saying this. She's speaking of a time before she did the works. What, what, what Joshua is saying, I mean what James is saying is that she was justified from what? Hiding the spies. This is what she's saying. That she heard. Check this out. How the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion, to Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I have dealt kindly with you. You will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brother and my sister, and all who believe and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Okay, I'm going to stop there. She made it very clear. If you read the story, she made it very clear. She said, we heard of you before What's the story? When they dried up the Red Sea. So she had faith way before she ever dealt with the spies. Okay? And it wasn't until some time after. 
okay, that she manifested the works that James is talking about, the protection of the spies. So was James, when he said Rahab the prostitute, was he name-calling? Was he, like, putting her out there? He was putting her how the scripture puts her. He was, he was, 